Na, kia ora te whanau, uh, nga mihi, o uh, ke te whari, o te atua, o turanga nui a kiwa, kia koutou, kia koutou, kia koutou katoa. Uh, mā te kingi, e hukuraiti, e whakaki ki te kaha, uh, me te ihi, me te wairua tau. There's a lot of names in this nation, names of the past, names to come. A lot of names in this room. A lot of names in the church. A lot of names of a lot of giants, actually. Kenta, Gresham, Death, Leukemia, Schizophrenia. So many names. And there's names of apostles, names of prophets, and names of ministries, and names of this and that. But there's so too many names. But there's, there's one name, only one name that is above all those names. And, and that's the name that we lift it up. So all these names have to bow down to. That's his name. And I'm just honored here to be, to be here to bring you greetings in his name. Because when you bring a greeting in the name of the Lord, you bring a blessing. So I bring greetings in the name of the Lord to you, in Jesus' name. And uh, I'm just so honored and an honored, privileged to be here um, First and foremost, uh, one of my spiritual daughters is Adele, and um, I just so proud of her, as you guys are too, right? But you know, she's just uh, the mahi you're doing for Jesus, and uh, just a reflection of Jesus you are to our mana wahini in raising them up and just going down lower and lifting them up to where Jesus will go. So so proud of you, and. Uh, Mark and Nikito, uh, first time I met Mark today, and uh, I saw his tartan. It's not exactly the same tartan as mine, but we're of the, the cloud ilk, and we're from the same aisle, so love him like a brother from another mother, bro. So it's uh, so such an honor to be here in your house, in your house. Such an honor. Yeah, I love it, I love it. The first pastor I trained was an Irishman from uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you remind me just like him. <laughs> so it's, it's just such an honor to be here, and uh, good to be with you, Nelson Fakatu. It's good to be in Fakatu. And uh, kia ora to all the whānau, all the ones I know, from, you know, friends and whānau and so forth. So I've got Jess with me this time, which is awesome. She doesn't uh, usually travel with me, so it's good for her to be here. And she says, uh, no, I'm Keith Boy, don't get me up. I said, fuck, can't boy. Um, yeah, let's just get into it, eh? See, you know, we have this thing about ministry time. Ministry time is all the time. Ministry, ministry time is any time. The Spirit of God can minister to you any time. So it's not now, now is ministry time. Come up and God will now appear. <clears throat> the ministry time is the moment where you don't even have to come into church. You're ministry unto the Lord. And uh, I want to talk a bit more about that later. So I've got, uh, the Lord just sprung something on me. And I thought, okay, Lord. Okay, so I've got a, message and a message I've got to share. But um, so when I go to churches, I just uh, try and tune into what Jesus is doing in the church. Because, you know, different churches and the Revelation, there's seven different churches. And he's doing something different in every church. And he loves the people, but he's doing something different. And each church is going through a season or, or a chapter in their life. So he's, he's generally not doing the same thing in every church. He's different things. Because we're all at different levels of maturity. Or at different different levels of growth, so you know, so he's doing different things, and he's he's seeking to, to grow us up, to mature us, to be 
I can form to an image of him at this point. And um, so I was at a church just recently, and I was there. I said, what are you doing here, Lord? And, and he says, uh, I, I want these people to take the handbrake off. <laughs> Took up a handbrake on, spiritually speaking. They love me, and but they're just holding back. And this is it. But when I come to this church, you, you guys don't have the handbrake on. You got the handbrake off. <laughs> it is off. That's what I feel. And, and I just felt him say about uh, you, Mark and Nikita, that he's just so proud of you guys. He loves you. And he, he really just loves you guys. He loves the, the fragrance you carry and the freshness and the breath of God upon your life. And he's so proud of you and he's so excited for you. He's excited for the future. He knows the future, but he's excited for the future. He's right next to you, looking into the future with you, looking through your eyes into the future about the possibilities. Well, actually, about the impossibilities that become possibilities. Yeah. So he feels that. And about the church, I feel he's saying, um, your, your hand breaks off, but, but, and you love God so much, but you want to do something more for him. You, you want to go beyond just loving him and beyond words, beyond hooey hooey. You want to go into a realm of dewey dewey where, where you're making a difference. You're making a difference in your community. I'm not saying you're not now. Many of you are just, you know, just being Jesus in your community and just being the best parent, the best husband, best wife, best son and daughter, the best employee, employer, just being the best for Jesus, reflecting Jesus. That, that's a degree of it, but there's another degree uh, that Jesus wants and that you want and your heart knows, I want to do more. I know there's more. Um, and my sister at the back, right there. Um, sit down. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I saw um, well, I just got this message for you. The Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was hardcore. I mean, they were being decimated, and He took them out of there to take them in a better place. And it was going to be their family. It was going to be uh, their buddies, their whanau. And He took them out to go there. But on the way, they thought, "Oh, wow, it's a tough road to get there. We'd rather be back with our uh, kumara and our watermelons." And, and, um, and they wanted to go back. They wanted to keep turning back because they were afraid God was going to pull them out of something great. Well, they weren't in something great. They were in crap. But they, they were afraid God had taken them, delivered them to bring them to something worse. And he didn't. He brought them out of bad to bring them something better. And God brought you out of something bad to bring you in something good. He's not going to drop you into crap. He brought you, and he's bringing you out to put you in something better. And it's a hard heat, boy. It's tough at times, honey. Joy, you know, it, it is for us all. But if you surround yourself with sisters and brothers in the Lord, walk, you can't do it alone. I, I can't walk this walk by myself. I've got to walk with Jesus, yes, but I've got to walk with my whanau too. And the whanau will take you through. It takes a village to raise a child. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I saw you down there and I just heard the Lord bless you guys. Kia kaha on your hikoi. Kia kaha. Oh. <laughs> so we come from Gisborne. <laughs> It's a bit wet up there at the moment we're here. Heck, not another flipping cyclone. So we're, we're a civil defense, um, a, a official civil defense center, our church, our building is. And it's awesome. We get people coming all the time and disasters and so forth. And it's just so awesome to be able to open your arms to, the, to our city and just be Jesus to our city. Our church is about, ooh, 58,000. We've got about 58,000 in our church. And um, it's just a small one. I'm not kidding. That's our city. That's our coast. That's how many people live in our Rupi. 
that I, I mean it. We pastor our city. We pastor our coast, our, our people. And just because they don't believe doesn't mean they don't belong. And in the eyes of God, they belong to him. And so we treat them as our people. In fact, a lot of them don't even come to church, but they call our church their church because we gave them a kai. We, we had a food parcel. We, we went there. We, we buried, you know, tragically, someone with a suicide. We, 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 I just love our city. And uh, I just love what Jesus can do for our city. I'm broken for our city because I can't help it. But Jesus can. And the more I learn to get out of the way, the more Jesus can flow through me. So um, so we're from Gisborne. We've been in Gisborne for 20, uh, well, 33 years now, just about. Me and Jess, Kelly and Tan, we moved to Gisborne uh, in January 91. Hadn't been there in our lives. How did we get there? Mm. God sent us. Yeah, God sent us. That's a good story. And, uh, and so we, we were sent. We didn't just went. We were sent. It's a blessing of, our, of my spiritual dad. So my spiritual dad... He sent us over, and the church has been going for 33 years. And uh, we saw God do stuff that I've never seen before. In Omaru, Omaru, North Otago, where we're from originally. My mother's Napu, my father's Ngāti Pākehā from Omaru, North Otago. Born and raised, Ngāti Pākehā. And God sent us, me and Jess and the family, up to Ngāti Paro. Yeah, right, uh, right into the middle of Māori things. And I didn't know anything about my culture. I didn't know anything about the Treaty of Waitangi. I didn't know anything about anything. Of those things, I was just all on the Lord, man, all on the Lord. And uh, I'm still all on the Lord, but uh, the Lord is on our nation, and there's stuff in this nation that he wants to heal. Uh, so anyway, we've been going for uh, 33 years. We started service, uh, the first service was in April, 28th of April, 1991. We were wondering who's going to turn up. <laughs> and uh, 67 people turned up that day, 31 in the morning, 36 at night. Twelve gave their lives to Jesus. That meant at least six of them are still following to God today. And uh, the church kept growing and growing in signs and wonders and miracles. The cancers dissolving and, and AIDS disappearing. And uh, I mean, medically verified, medical certificates and verification. Uh, just these miracles just began to happen. But more than the miracles, just looking after the people. And, uh, and just going into the streets and being Jesus to our people. And just helping anybody who needs help. Uh, we have a, a ministry called the House of Breakthrough Neighborhood Support Social Services. Knock on your door. Please end with, Kia ora, we're from House of Breakthrough Neighborhood Support. And we're here to help give you, make your day even better. We're offering any of these social services, budgeting advice, addiction advice or counsel, uh, food parcels, clean up your backyard, take your rubbish away. Man, we've carted away hundreds of bottles of beer, hundreds of bottles. But yeah, it's just pouring yourself out. Isaiah 58 said, if you pour yourself out to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the obscurity and your darkness will be like the noonday. And you become like a well-watered garden whose waters never fail. So the light's always shining. He says, we're to rise and shine. And let our good work shine before all men that, that may glorify our Father in heaven. So part of our mahi is is moving in the, in the, I guess, the social aspect of easy, of Jesus, feeding the poor, the hungry and all that. And it's also the supernatural aspect. And so when Jesus sent me and Jess to Gizzi, he said, move in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Raise a church that moves in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. So, so there's that balance. To a church that reflects the nature of the, the character of Jesus. So that's what we're trying to do. Our, 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 uh, our tohu is... <coughs> Aroha ke te atua, 
love God first. Simple. That's it. That's the kingdom. I was in um, I was in London once, and I was speaking over an Eden church, and this taxi driver picked me up. He was a Muslim fellow, and he said he used to be a brigadier in the Afghan army. And he says, I went from my Muslim roots back to the communist, or, or to communism. And that didn't work, so I went back to my Muslim roots. I says, really? And um, he said, what are you in London for? I said, oh, I'm here to do lectures on the coming new world order. <laughs> I, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. I don't tell people I'm a Christian. The moment I do, they just shut up. I tell people I'm a, pe- I'm a peacekeeper. I work for a peacekeeping movement. And I show them pictures of people, AK-47s next to them. Because I do, I am. I'm not a peacekeeper, I'm a peacemaker. But, but you know, it's learning how to relate to people. He says, oh, he said, uh, uh, coming new world order, what's that? I said, well, when it gets instituted in, in the world, I said, all walls in the, in the earth will cease within 12 months. He said, I said, what? I said, there'll be no, all famine, all, all greed, all corruption. It will just cease within 12 months to be gone. He said, we need that. We need that. I said, I know we need that. <laughs> then he just said, oh, opium is the, uh, uh, no, um, what is it? Religion is the opium of the masses. He just spoke that out. The demon in him knew the spirit in me. So I'm not, I'm not, not telling him it's Jesus. And he says, um, so how do you get into this? What is it? I said, it's not a political system or a religious system. But it is a system. It's got two laws, and the first law is to love God with all your heart. The second law is to express your love for God by your love for people. I said, oh. And he said, what's it called? I said, kingdom. Oh. He said, how do I get into the kingdom? <laughs> this is a Muslim. I said, uh, I said, bro, you've got to have a king. Not just any king. Is it, there's, there's only one king. He said, what's his name? <laughs> I'm sprung now. Uh, I said, uh, his name is in Māori, Iukoraiti. <laughs> but English name is Jesus Christ. He said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. I would never listen to you. But what do you say makes sense? He said, I think my wife's going to church. Because she comes home on Sunday happy. I said, good thing, bro. He says, so tell me more about this kingdom. So I just went and talked to him about, his name is Shah. And he said he gets nightmares when he sleeps and so forth. And anyway, long story short, um, I, I befriended him. I never led him to Jesus. I, Jesus didn't say go any further. He said just love him and just share. What I'm, the point is, everyone loves the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. He didn't preach churchianity. He didn't even preach Christianity. He preached about the kingdom of God. And even my gay friends love the kingdom. They just have a problem with churchianity and some forms of Christianity. And so I just try to break it down and present Jesus, Jesus, to lift his thing. So um, in order to tell people about the kingdom, then they realize I'm talking about Jesus, and I'm talking about church. I, said, I always thought church was meant to be like that. I said, it is meant to be like that. Church has often been misrepresented by religion and tradition and, and just some stupid things, crazy things. But Jesus is not like that. When I was speaking on Marais, when I first went to Gisborne, I, was in, I went down to the Uruwera, where the Tuhoi people are. And, uh, and many ringatū came to Jesus, just, just so open for about three, maybe four years of just going on Marae every at least once a month into health groups. Um, so there was this ringatū minister, he, he, he asked for a karakia for prayer. 
and you've broken his tailbone, he's got type 2 diabetes, so, so I prayed for him. God healed him instantly, right on the spot, in his backyard in Steel Road in Gisley, under the umbrella, before we had scones and a cup of tea. <coughs> and God just healed him just like that. So he called out his, 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 one of his whanaunga, Uncle Bill, he had emphysema, and he says, could you do to him what you did to me? He says, I didn't do anything to you. So I, I, I'm a hose, and Jesus the, is the water that flows through me. The, the, the water that flows through the hose puts, gives life to the seed. It, it's not the hose. The hose is, an, is just a vessel. We're just earthen vessels, eh? It's the treasure of the one who lives in us. And uh, I said, it wasn't me that did that to you. It was Jesus. I just do what Jesus said. I lay hands on the sick. He said, if I lay hands on you, you'll recover. Um, do you know the law of contact and transmission? I love to teach you. I love to take the light bulb out of that socket and, and show you. Put your finger in it. Touch it. <laughs> yeah? Contact and transmission. The moment you touch that, <laughs> you'll feel, forget a bug, I tell you. That's the law of contact and transmission. And Jesus says, we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When we contact them with our hands, the, the treasure of God in us flows through them and it transmits healing. So he got healed instantly. I said, not me, it's Jesus. I'm just doing what he said we could do. And then, uh, so Uncle Bill comes out, and he's got emphysema, and he goes, so how did I get him? He goes, Then auntie came out, she had diabetes. Just one after another getting it. This is in the backyard. This is Jesus. Miracles are not events. It's lifestyle. It's not events. It's not just an event we do on Sunday. There's nothing can we do to perform. To show you very look how great God is. God is great without us trying to perform it. Um, and I, sometimes when we go to churches, I, I am, uh, I feel the impression of uh, people wanting me to perform. Come on, let's see the stuff. You hear about the miracle, let's see it. No. I'm not a performing seal. I'm not here to perform. I'm here to glorify Jesus and edify the, the, the body. That's why I'm here. But I used to perform. <laughs> I used to perform. And uh, our church grew from nothing to 504 years. It was just a morning attendance, 90% from the streets. I mean, it was a wild place. You had gang members, you had prostitutes, you had all sorts of people. <laughs> My music team was at the door having smokes before they came inside, <laughs> crank up the old band. It was all reggae, boom, boom, boom. It was messy church. <laughs> but people were coming for miracles because miracles keep happening. And because um, I was raised in miracles, my spiritual dad, he taught me that if you don't see miracles, signs and wonders, if you're not prophesying or leading people to Jesus, discipling people, it's not true Christianity. Yeah. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And what he preached then and what he said that believers could be that then, we can do today. And so that's how I was raised. I was born, me and Jeff, we were raised under this... Uh, Presbyterian charismatic, not charismatic, charismatic <laughs> minister who later became an Elam pastor at Nomaru. And I didn't know the fire. I don't know anything different. I was just brought into that. So if you're born in, the, born in the smoke, know there's fire, not just smoke. Don't just settle for the smoke. Look for the fire of God. The fire of God. And so, and so um, what was I saying? <laughs> Kingdom, kingdom, yeah, the clown, yeah, that's right. So signs and wonders draw a cloud. After about five, six years, our church is exploding. There's people getting saved. 
through the week, not just on Sunday. Um, but I'm performing because you know, I'm waiting on God and he shows me what he's going to do and I pray for people. And when you pray for somebody who jumps out of a wheelchair and can walk again, how are you going to top that miracle next week? That's what started coming. Oh, what am I going to do next week? Oh, somebody come in with three legs. <laughs> and I was performing. I put this pressure on myself. And the Lord said, signs and wonders don't grow a church. They will draw a crowd. They will gather a crowd, but they won't build a church. A church has got structure and function. A church is a whanau. And a church has all sorts of stuff going on. And, and you're just gathering a crowd. And it's a circus, son. And you're the biggest clown. <laughs> he tells me that. He says, you're the biggest clown. And you're performing. And I, I, I feel like it. I'm performing. And he says, stop performing. Just love the people. And oh, I'm going to move anyway, but you don't have to do that anymore. And so he had to break me, break many times. Break me, break me. Better to fall on the rock and be broken than let the rock fall on you and crush you. And um, so I mellowed down a bit over the years. But when I first went to Gisborne, I, I stood on the mount, the hills over the city of Gisborne. I said, okay, Lord, I've done 10 years in Omru. You've taught me how to take the giants. Now let's take the giants to Taidafu. He says, nah, let's take the giants from you first. That's the devil. I bind you. Get behind me. <laughs> Lord, let's take the giants of this city, this coast. He says, let's take the giants of New Zealand. And um, I didn't think I had any giants. I'd done 10 years in Omar as an associate pastor. I'd seen signs and wonders. I've been to India. I saw the dead raised. I'm ready. And then 10 years later, I stood on that hill and says, Lord, am I ready for the giants yet? Without going lower, knowing that we don't have a reputation. It's not our reputation that counts, people. It's not our name. It's not our voice. It's not our ministry that needs lifted up. It's his name. So people look to his name. But the reference point has to be Jesus. And if I got lost in Paris, I'd just look for the Eiffel Tower. Never been to Paris. People's a little bit old for the two people that turn up. Anyone been to Paris? Is that right? Is that, is that true? It is. Um, so, uh, so I just looked for the landmark, which is the Eiffel Tower. It's a reference point. And you've got to have reference. We've got to have reference point in our lives. And I know Jesus is a reference point. But even through trials, and I can say I'm saying this to somebody, you've got to have a reference point through your battles. And, and it's the victory in Jesus. And you just got to keep your eyes on him like, you, like Peter kept his eyes on Jesus. And just take one step at a time. Don't look down at the storm because it will suck you down. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and he'll walk on the impossibility. <laughs> anyway, I'm giving a bit of an intro. Why do you do that, Lord? So when I go to church, I smell it and see where the Holy Spirit's welcome. He's really welcome in that church. So you won't let me minister because there's no honor for I can't minister. So if he starts healing you tonight, um, you need to honor him back. If Jesus starts healing you tonight or starts doing healings, you have to honor him. And how you honor him is simply acknowledge he's healed you. Okay? That's all. You don't have to come down and give a testimony or anything. You just acknowledge. And um, I, I move in different ways of, of the spirit, laying on of hands, anointing of oil, all that stuff. But he, he's doing something different. And he's telling me now, Holy Spirit, I'm learning to cooperate, not operate in the Holy Spirit. And there's a big difference. 
to cooperate because he's already, Jesus has already healed people. He's already healed people. He's already forgiven mankind. Mankind just hasn't received it. It just hasn't, it's sitting there waiting. He bore our wounds, he bore our sin in his own body on the tree. The dead, you died of sin, lived a righteous life. His wounds, we were your chastisement. So I've, I've said he's already done it. And when he died on that cross, he took the sin, he took the curses, and he took the disease. He took the marmite, he took the depression, he took all that crap. He took it in his own body, literally, in the tinana, in his physical body, in his hininaru, in the mind, in the soul, in his wider. He took it. And, and there were witnesses there that saw Jesus do that. The devil was there, the demons were there, the angels were there. The apostles were there too, but they're gone. But the Holy Spirit was there. He's the main witness. He's not a, a spirit or a human. He's God. And he was there. And Jesus said, he will be a witness to me. And he will glorify me. And so Holy Spirit tells me what Jesus, I know what he's done, but then Holy Spirit will tell me what he's doing in a room. And, and he tells me who he's healed. Not who he's healed, who he's going to heal, but who he's healed. And Kiwis are a bit funny. They want to come forward and get hands laid on them and long, long prayers of unbelief. No, I'm not feeling anything. <laughs> it's like a, it's like, it's an expectation. If people go up and, yeah, and get prayed and nothing will happen and they just get blessed. And it's, you know, I see this. I travel around. I see this and I, I hate it. And I'm not putting our people, people down. It's just, it's, it's a routine. It's a rut. And it's not Jesus. And we get into this thing of unbelief. The centurion said, just say the word. And, and, and he honored the word just like that, and his servant was healed. Whereas down the road, 48-minute drive down the road to Nazareth, they said about Jesus, who's this guy? Who do you think you are? Who does he think he is? We know his mum and dad. We know his brothers and sisters. Jesus, him. And, they, and Jesus says, honor is only my, your own time that profits with that. Honor. So there's no honor there. He goes up to Capernaum. The centurion has such honor, he says, just say the word. Boom. All these miracles took place in Capernaum because of the attitudes uh, determine atmospheres. And the attitude of dishonor shuts an atmosphere, but the attitude of honor to Jesus opens it up. And so to honor Jesus, if he starts telling me who he's healed, then I, I want you, you need to just acknowledge. Just put your hands. It'd be, I don't know if you're going to do that. I can't move it. I can't turn it on or off. But when he does it, it's astounding. Just astounding. Incurable diseases just like that just take place in a room. Just phenomenal. It's tapu. It's sacred. So I'm pretty hesitant about some of the stuff I put on Facebook. So just be holy too. Anyway. So we, we go to Gisborne. Holy what is it? Hey babe. We go to Gisborne. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got Beautiful people, but so messed up. Incest, sickness, sexual abuse, physical abuse, violence, so mentally, emotionally, screwed up. Hate themselves. And they come in, I said, Oh, good to see you. Look at your greatness. Look at you. Your greatness. Because you're made in the image of God, and He's great. He made you. In a, and I said, That's who I see. 
and they just look at me. And they begin to, oh, someone believes in me and they See, and I'm, I'm in the midst of greatness. You're greatness. God's greatness is in you. I'm greatness. You're greatness. Anyway, so I'll tell you a few stories about Jesus. I just felt really to just do a few. Let's do a testimony, eh? Uh, a healing video clip of uh, Kelvin and Ruawai. He's a bro over there, and uh, oh, he, just pause him for a minute. This is what happened to him. Uh, he had a, a, a leg in a cast. He had crutches when I met him, and he's sitting on a chair with his foot up. And uh, I said, what happened to you, bro? He says, oh, he said, I broke my leg uh, in two places, knee and my ankle. And I said, how'd you do that? Rugby? He said, nah, golf, bro. I said, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, how'd you? He said, I had those shoes with the steel spikes in, and I put them in, whack, and I went to turn, and I forgot I hadn't taken my foot out. Snap, 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 snap. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, I said, what's happening? He says, nothing, bro. It's in pain. The doctors can't fix it. They put a plate in it. I've just taken it out. Now I'm recovering. Can't even walk properly. I said, oh, okay. I was being introduced to speak, so I just put my hand on his, put my hand on his knee. I was going to push him on me, bro. Not <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and as I touched his knee, I felt this heat going through. I was like, and he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. Wow, something's happening, eh? So I got up and did the karakia. Did my, my kōrero. That was on Friday. Prayed for Kelvin. Kelvin lives at Ruawai. Ruawai is the last town before you get to Dargaville. And it's the challenge garage at Ruawai. So if you're going through Ruawai to Dargi, pop in and see Kelvin. Say, mate, I saw you on TV the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this is Tuesday. This is what Jesus did from. So I'm showing these because a lot of people, oh, you see that in India, you see that in Africa, you see it overseas. It doesn't matter. It happens here. It happens here. Jesus is the same here as he is in India. He does miracles here. I see him raise people off the deathbed quite often. He's, it happens here. But also see people who don't get healed. I saw our own son. He didn't get healed. And we don't know why. But if we keep our eyes on the why, we'll miss out on the who. And we're called to look at the who, the one who was, and the one who is, and the one who is to come. So we've got a mystery box, a metaphoric box. It's got all the questions we're going to ask Jesus when we get to heaven. Why did this not happen? Why did that happen? Why didn't you heal my son? Blah, 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 blah. Okay? And we're going to stick that there. The whys, put your whys in a mystery box. Don't keep your, keep your eyes off your whys, because they'll pull you down. They'll suck you down. Keep your eyes on the who. Our boy's in paradise. He's okay to climb. Okay? It's all good. But in, in, the, in the year that Kelly passed away, two of my pastors were on their deathbed, and God raised them off their deathbed with 
within hours. Well, one guy, Pastor Lance, within minutes. It's another story. And, and Ed, our friend in Ed, I just shared, shared that sharing this because some of you got your eyes on the wine and, 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 and you know, and you turn away from following Jesus. You know, there's a lot of things I don't understand. Some say, well, the church has hurt me. I've been abused spiritually. I've been hurt. I, you know, the pastor didn't smile at me or I didn't get a car park in the church. And blah, 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 blah. I said, you got hurt. Yeah, I thought, take a ticket and join the queue, bro. We all got hurt. Everyone, life, life hurts you. Life sucks sometimes. Without Jesus, and even with Jesus, it still hurts. But keep your eyes off the wine. Keep them on the who. So, um, so there's other fella. His name's Steve. And uh, anyway, Steve comes to, he's from Silverdale. And he comes in, and he had to be dragged into the meeting. He was stuck in it. And uh, <laughs> I said, who wants to give the life to Jesus? He put his hand up. I said, okay, say this karakia. Lord Jesus, I receive you. He went, uh, uh. Oh, he can't talk. There's something wrong with him. So, so God could hear his waiwua. So I just glared and said the karakia. I said, well done, Steve. You know, you connected yourself to easy to Jesus. Then we were praying for people. I said, oh, come up here, Steve. Brand new Christian, just received Jesus. And uh, I said, we're going to pray for people. And uh, I think he was a leader in the church come up. And I said, oh, pray for him, Steve. Just hold your hand up and tell him to step into the presence of Jesus. So this fellow stepped into the presence of Jesus. And boom, he's flat on his back. Brand new Christian. God's blowing through this brand new Christian who can't even talk properly. So about um, a month or so later, I go up to Tehana, which is up the, up the, the uh, up north. And uh, doing a meeting up there. And I go up. And, and on the front row, there's Steve. Steve-o, bro, what are you, good to see you. He said, he stood up, he said, Storm, he says, I could not stay home and not come up and thank God for what, I said, you're talking, mate. This, <laughs> this is his story. <laughs> oh, turn your head sideways. <laughs> Um, uh, wh why I'm showing you not what I can do I'm showing you what Jesus can do I'm showing you what Jesus can do through you because it's the same Jesus in you the same Jesus in me he's the same and what I felt I'm saying about this church is that um, uh, you want to do that you've got a hunger to do that um, but you need to be trained to do that it doesn't just happen Jesus doesn't just sprinkle fairy dust on you when you sleep and you wake up, and you're, you're a spiritual warrior, and you can just, 
and they start raising the dead and so forth. It doesn't happen like that. You know, plumbers are handy, eh? So are electricians, builders, pilots, doctors. They've got something we need. But they had to study. They had to pay a price to get uh, and develop a gift or a talent in their lives. And now they're in demand. They're needed. As Christians, you know, we can sing about we've got the power to raise the dead. We've got the power of the, the one who created you, lives in me, blah, blah, blah. It's all wonderful. It's all true. But um, how is it helping our community? How is it helping the schizophrenics? How is it helping people who are committing suicide? How is it helping them? And so you've got to get trained. Jesus was trained. I'm going to show some scripture now. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. You, you don't just grow up by age. You just get older by age. Maturity is a choice. We'll talk about that later. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. When I was a child, I, I thought like a child, acted like a child. But when I, when I became a man, I put away childishness. I put away, I made a choice. Growth, maturity is also a choice of putting away the acting. You could just, just stop acting like a kid. Stop thinking childish thoughts. Stop acting childish thoughts. Stop behaving like a child and just begin to act like Jesus. Now, I know in some cases, and there's people that have issues that need to get through and that we have our counseling practice that we help people through that. Uh, but at the same time, it's a choice of putting away childish things. There's nothing worse than seeing a 40-year-old Christian still in nappies. So metaphorically speaking. You know? And sometimes it's not their fault. They've just never been trained. They've never been taught. Now, I'm, I'm doing a plug for my warrior activist course. It's a two-day course. And God told me to, Jesus told me to do it, to train his body to help change the culture, or to bring back the supernatural culture of the, of the, of the signs and wonders back into the culture of the body of Christ. And the way I'm doing that is training people. I can't teach you that here tonight. I can't teach it in a couple of church services. It's two days of intense I teach you how to deal, unblock your well. The, the, the devil, he, he puts dirt in your well. The Philistines put dirt in the Hebrew's well. They put uh, rocks in the Hebrew's well. They put dead bodies in the Hebrew's well. And they had to, so the Hebrews had to move off their land. The devil hates you. He doesn't want you being established in your inheritance. So you put dirt, you know, fleshly habits. You put rocks, which is offenses, betrayals of people. You put dead bodies, which are toxic relationships. You put them in you, so it poisons that that well. But Jesus said our, our valley would flow rivers of living water. You want to open the wells of this nation? Well, you're a well. You've got to open your own well first. And now we're waiting for the well to open. We're waiting for the ancient wells to break open. Well, or are you being responsible enough to open up your own well? Because out of your well will flow rivers of living water. And it flows 24-7. So in the WAC course, I teach you how to unblock your well and then to get the well flowing. And uh, there was a pastor's wife, um, day before yesterday, yeah, no, yesterday, and I, I tell them, look, if you never prophesied, you're going to prophesy by the end of the course. She said, oh, I've only done it once. I don't, I don't do prophecy. And she's been a Christian for years. Oh, you'll do it tomorrow. So she prophesied over three people yesterday, and this morning she got up and she prophesied over me, a woman who never prophesied. She had it in her. She just hadn't been trained. You have it in you. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory, but you haven't been trained. Jesus said these three. Uh, Two things. Oh, come on, he said a lot of <laughs> two things. <laughs> two scriptures. Sorry. Okay, so you heard of the office of the priest? 
the office of the apostle, the office of the prime minister, the office of... See, office just means a function, the function. So there's the office of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? And, you know, the, many Christians are looking for, we're waiting for the apostles, apostles to rise. Oh, as though something great's going to happen. And we do need them because they are given by Jesus to help equip the body, equip the saints, equip the church for the work of the ministry. But there's another office that's the most neglected neglected and undervalued office in the body of Christ throughout the whole earth. It's the office of the believer. It's you. It's your office. The office of the believer. You don't need a title, pastor, apostle, teacher, prophet. You don't need a title to operate in the office of a believer. You don't. Jesus qualifies you with, oh, there's two scriptures. John 14, 12. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. And he's talking to the apostles. He that believes in me. Who, who do you think he's talking about? He that believes in me. Who is that he or she that believes in me? Who's Jesus? And because he's the same yesterday, today, forever, heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. What he said of believers yesterday, isn't it logical that he means that today as well, over you and me? So he that believes in me, Jesus said, well, the works I do, what did he do? He raised the dead. He walked on water. He fed a thousand with a pizza. He, he opened blind eyes. He, he did what medical science couldn't do. There was no medical science at the time. He did the impossible. He gave hope back to communities and societies. He did that stuff. He said, the works I do, they will do too. And greater things than that. So that, that's the first premise that I was trained in the office of the believer. People say, oh, you're, a, you're an apostle. Mate, I didn't know what an apostle was before. And Jesus was raising the dead. Jesus was opening blind eyes. Jesus was changing my community before I knew what an apostle was. I was operating as a believer that anyone could operate in. Why isn't everyone doing this? The other scriptures, Mark chapter 16, verse 17, where Jesus says, <coughs> They that believe in me, now these signs will follow those who believe in me. They will cast out devils. When's the last time he cast the devil out? They will speak in other tongues. They will um, take up serpents, and if they drink anything poison, it won't hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. When was the last time you laid your hands on a sick person who's terminal, diagnosed to die, and the next day they got out of the hospital, and the records show, the medical records show they're completely cured? When was the last time it happened? I believe it could be a possible. That's what some look to me. The performing seals. Oh, oh, oh. Come on, do something, do a miracle. They did that to Jesus. Show us some miracle, show us something. I'm not here to perform. I'm not here to show you what I can do. I'm here to encourage you what you can do. I'm here to lift the body up, to lift you up into your ministry, into the office of the believer. I mean, if, the, if we as Christians moved in the office of the believer, the prophets and the apostles might catch up. The moment they're so busy sitting around their little... Shall I <laughs> Saying, God has shown me, this is what he's saying for this nation. You need to listen to me, y'all. And there's another apostle, oh, God is saying this. You need to hear this. And I was one of them. I said, no, God showed me what he's doing with Tanga Tafenawa. He's doing this, and you need to get this right, and then something will happen. And I realized, <coughs> we're all right. <laughs> We've all got a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. We've all got a piece of the jigsaw. <laughs> and when you put those pieces together, 
we, get, we see the mind of Christ. We have the collective mind of Christ. But at the moment, the apostles and prophets in general throughout this nation um, are too busy doing stuff. I can speak like this because I speak with up front and I say, maybe we're just, we need to repent. Maybe what's happening in the body, the schisms, the, 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 the disunity, the, the fracturedness, maybe we need to repent. And because there's no unity with us, if there's no unity in the headship of the body of Christ, it's kind of like, so maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to humble ourselves and put our little jigsaw pieces down. And when we have humility, maybe there's some unity. Because I honor the, 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 the prophets and the apostles of this name. I do. I honor them and I honor their gifts and their function. But God had to show me you don't have the, you don't have the whole picture. Sorry. You only have a piece of it. And so I love sitting there with apostles and prophets who've got humility. And we put stuff down and say, look, this is what God's showing me. What's he showing you, bro? He's showing, oh, man. You get a bigger picture. And the day's coming. So pray for, for, for the apostles and prophets of this nation. Because I'm a boomer. I'm a baby boomer. And I think my generation might die out and lose it. I think it's generations like this who are kingdom-minded. We're not denominationally minded. We're not trying to build denominations, abominations. But that they're building his kingdom. It's a part of a body. And that we need to work together. And um, and there's a new generation. The new generation, they're not interested in denomination. I, I was raised in the 80s in denominationalism, abominationalism. <laughs> and so I, I'm learning to get there. I, I want to see the greatest things happening for this nation. But you need leadership. And until leadership comes, well, I'm going to do what I can to raise up the office of the believer. That's my job. And the Wari Activist Force, the two-day course, I've just done one in Waikawa. Uh, and, and if you want one here in Gisborne, can't get one. <laughs> it's the center of the universe for me. But if you want one here in Nelson, I'll come here next year. In Whakatū. I've already done one. That's where Adele met Adele and all the other Manawahini toa. And warriors, and, and they're going on for God. And it's not what I can do, it's what they can do. I love my sons and daughters going beyond me. When they're doing miracles and seeing more souls, my son in India, he's seen more souls saved, more miracles than I've ever seen. His church over there went from 130 to 3,000 in seven years. It's, it's Muslims, Hindus, communists coming to God in their thousands. And I go over there and I says, hey, how did you do this? He said, Father, you teach us faith. We do what you tell us. <laughs> I only go there, I need seven days a, a, a year. I impart into the leaders and into these. I just give my best. Seven days a year. And they take that around. I said, man, I wish Kiwis had the mindset of an Indian. Just, just, it's not about control and manipulation. It's about, this is the ways of Jesus. Have a go. The office of the believer. Um, you carry the healing for your city. You carry the, you are the healing well. You are it. <laughs> and if, and I figure if I'm not going to be faithful with the well that I've got, see, if I'm not going to let the rivers flow out of me and heal individuals around me, why would God entrust with me a corporate revival? Why would he open a well over my city if I'm not faithful and um, so I know I can't start a revival. I can't make a revival happen. You can't either. You just come. 
the work of God. But you can create a move of God. Hmm. When you prophesy over somebody, you're operating in the spirit of God. God's moving. That's a move of God. But there's only a couple of people. That's a move of God. That's the living water coming out of your well. That's the move of God. And the office of the believers, if they, as they begin to step people into the supernatural presence of Jesus, which I trained them to do, uh, yesterday, young men went into the streets and they were stepping people into the presence of God. There were healings taking place. This is on the streets. But there's, they, they had it in them, but they didn't know how to do it. So I showed them how to do it. And they were taking responsibility now with the well with him and allowing Jesus to touch people. But it's got to go beyond hooey-hooey and to do-e-do-e. And so I think that if we're responsible to create moves of God, maybe God will open a corporate well over a city or a town or maybe. But why would he honor us with a corporate revival if we're not faithful to creating moves of God that he gave us? It's about taking personal responsibility. So that, that's a message I wasn't going to bring, but that's the message I brought. <laughs> I'll just show another clip. Um, there's a wind in you. <sighs> really is a wind in you. It's your breath. The spirit in Greek and Hebrew is breath. Ruach. Ruach. Ha. Ha. It's breath. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, or 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I always get them mixed up. Anyway. It's one of those. It says that he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. So your human spirit, when you were born, it, it, it connected to the spirit of God. And, but because of sin, it's disconnected from fellowship with God. And your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Not your mind, your conscience. Your conscience and your mind are two different things. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. Your mind is part of your soul. And your mind will get you into trouble. If it's not yielded to the spirit. But anyway, um, so when you got born again, God's spirit connected to your spirit. God's breath connected to your breath. Literally, not figurative, literal breath. You want to feel God? If you want to physically feel God right now, take your hand out and breathe on it. What are you feeling? You're feeling breath, aren't you? That breath is spirit. The body without the, 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 the spirit is dead. The reason you're sitting here is because your spirit is in your body. When a person dies, their breath leaves. That is life. You're, you're feeling, that's life. Lifesavers, when they, you know, they, they bring people back from, from drowning, that's breath going into them. But God's breath is connected to your breath. You know, it took me months to catch this. To be information, but this revelation. Can it be that the breath of God dwells in me? Can it be the breath of God dwells in you? So I, I thought I'll practice on it. I went to India. <laughs> I'm going to breathe on the microphone and the breath of God is going to touch you because I believe. I meditate on these scriptures night and day. I says it's true. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's in me. And because he's in me, he's with me wherever I go. I don't have to do 20 songs to bring his presence. I don't have to fast and pray to bring his presence. I, I don't have to do anything to bring his presence. Relationship brings his presence. You can be, you can fast, pray, and sing. The Pharisees did that, but his presence never turned up. But those who have relationship with Jesus, he turns up. 
in our fasting, praying, and, and worship is good because it opens up our awareness to the presence of God. But that didn't bring the presence of God. Your relationship did. And I always used to think, let's just bring the presence. Let's wait more, pray. Come, Lord, we're waiting for you. Well, where was he? Where did he go last time? Didn't he come? To <laughs> He's with us, you see. So every time I ask him to come, I'm reinforcing my unbelief that I don't believe he's with me. And I know he's with me because he's in me. He's in you. Through Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he within you. Jesus, I'll be in you and with you. In 20 scriptures, it says he's in us. Where's your lungs, by the way? Tell me, where's your lungs? They're in your body, aren't they? They're in you. So if you go down to, up to Gisborne tomorrow, where will your lungs be? They'll be, they'll, be with, they'll be with you because they are in you. If you go over to London, where are your lungs? <laughs> they are with you because they are. Where is the presence of God? And so if you go anywhere, if you go to Pack and Save, you go to a tinny house, you go to the, to the monkey ball pad tomorrow, where is the Lord? Yeah, because he's. And you've got to catch it. I know he's in me. I know his breath's in me. So I say, I'm going to pray. And the breath of God's going to touch you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And I said, Pastor, watch this. We'll see what happens. And he translated, anyone who's been healed, put your hands up. Hundreds of people. And they came up. I'm just astounded. People with blind eyes said, the moment you breathe, I felt. Arthritic, this old man. I just love this old fellow. He says, I am painting too much. And I'm going home from this meeting. But when that foreigner blows up, he said, I feel a wind, physical wind. And he said, all my paintings are gone. I do not understand. I don't believe it. All my paintings are gone. Ah, oh, that works. It works. We carry the breath of God. You carry the breath of God. My worst month was October. Not this October, last October. I had 20 suicide fallouts for one month. Five in a week. One guy was sitting after church on Sunday, and he had the rope burns around his neck. His wife just got to him before he expired. Happy to say, they're all still alive, but I, I missed one. <coughs> this mother of <coughs> seven kids, she hung herself in the, uh, in the closet. And her mother rang me, and she said, would you come and Ghostbuster house? I'll be there. So I prayed through the house. She said, would you speak to her tangi uncle, the gang tangi? And so I go there, and there's all these people there. And I said, look, I hate doing these tangis. I don't hate you fellas, but I hate doing these tangis because I don't come here. I come here to rescue from doing this. If you're going to kill yourself, here's my card. I threw them on the table. I said, take my card. Before you do it, come and see me first. And some of you are what if we don't know what to do? I says, I know what to do. I know who, someone who knows what to do. And she said, uh, what if you're too proud? I says, well, you'll be in the box like this. And um, so anyway, and uh, I said, oh, okay, that's fair enough, fair enough. And so as they're taking the casket off, they're all patched up and so forth. The mother comes up to me. Her face is black. She said, I need a blessing, please. Would you pray for me? I says, why? She says, I made a vow. I'll not weep over these little bleep, bleep, bleep. It's to her daughter. I'm sick of it. My heart's broken. I can't stand the pain. So I harden my heart, and I vow I'll never weep. These little bleep, bleep, bleeps are coming up to me. I can't handle it. But I can't weep. And I, 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 I'm something dark on me. She's not a Christian. She didn't come to our church. I says, on the count of three, you step into the presence of Jesus. Ready? Yes, yeah. Because there's gangsters walking around us. See, Jesus is lifestyle. It's not event at church, just events in church. It's lifestyle. It's in the darkest places where the light shines the brightest. Where the people are the most broken. That's when they're crying out. And um, so I said, Tahi rua turu. 
she stepped forth and, and then she starts shaking like this and then she starts howling and weeping. She's breaking down and weeping and weeping and weeping. And um, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And if I wasn't there, she would not have light in her life. And there's so many hundreds of people in our city who have got light in their lives now, who have found Jesus, have found healing for their broken hearts. Their souls have been restored. Marriages have been restored. But we had to be here. We had to go beyond hooey hooey and do the dooby dooby. And, and so the WAC course is about teaching you take to, to do, not just to talk about it and have a conference about it. Another seminar about, you know, Mark 16, 20, Jesus said, well, it said that, the, that Jesus said, go and, and do these things. And it says, they went and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. They went, they went, they went. They didn't have a discussion and said, well, let's just have an exegesis about what Jesus really means. We were laying hands on the sick. They were, was, let's have a seminar first. Let's discuss it. What's your opinion on the matter? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Why don't you get an overseas speaker in it? They can tell us what they think laying hands on the sick and they recover means and casting out demons. Yeah, let's do that. Let's have a big conference. And after decades of conferences in this nation with the power of God and how to heal the sick and cast out devils, there's less Christians today in the body of Christ doing it than there were in the 80s. So much hooey-hooey, not enough do we do. It's not your problem. It's our problem. It's leadership's problem. For 200 years, the church has been uh, led by pastors and teachers, and thank God for that, because I wouldn't be here either. But Jesus brought apostles and prophets to lead, pastors and teachers to feed, evangelists to see. If you're going to make a chocolate cake, you're going to have eggs, flour, sugar, milk. But if you're going to have cho chocolate, you've got a problem. God's got a recipe for, for his body, for his church, for the gates of hell can't stand against it. So it'll be led by apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. But forget about that office. How about your office? How about the office of the believer? If the believers just got into the office, whoo! So I've seen signs and wonders and miracles and people, being, uh, I saw the dead raised. As a believer, because John told me this is what Jesus said we could do. And I believe what John said. Not the Apostle John, John my pastor. <laughs> John my pastor. John Dolan. He told me that. I just imitated what he did. Okay. Can we put the first PowerPoint up, please? We better wind up with this message or finish it off. Well, I, no, I had to bring this one. I had to bring the office of the believer because I felt Jesus say, the people want to do much more, but they're not equipped. And so the two-day course, I'll come and do a couple, because I need to do 20 at a time, because it's, 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 it's intense, and, uh, and, and it's just hard on me, too. It's, it takes a lot out of me. And I'll do 20 at a time. Uh, so if you want to be on that course, come and see uh, Mike and Nikita and or uh, Adele, and get the names down. It'll probably be uh, April, April, May next year. Okay, let's see the first PowerPoint. Okay, you ever seen that picture? Evolution and all this sort of stuff. But the, the, the point is, there's a natural growth, growth process, natural. Hey, you were once a baby, cute little baby. Now you are what you are. Okay, and, and as the years go by, we will change and we will die. That's a natural growth process in the natural. But so it is spiritual. We grow spiritually. We get born again. We are a babe. And God wants us to grow from being a baby 
of a child to an adolescent to a mature adult in the natural but also in the spiritual. And that's what he wants for his body. What's the next one, please? So I have this saying, don't let your gift take you somewhere where your character can't keep you. King Saul had a gift to rule, but he had crap character in deep insecurities, deep unresolved issues on the inside, and his character couldn't keep him in the place where the gift uh, took him. And many kings of Israel, they were only on the thrones for, a, some were only there for hours, because their gift couldn't keep them, their character couldn't keep them there. And Jesus wants us to develop and to be like him in character. Not just the gifting, but the character of Jesus. And development of character means about maturing, about growing up, about, as a Christian, growing up. And as a pastor, me and Jeff have been pastoring for full well, ministry for 38 years. It doesn't say full-time ministry. What is full-time ministry? Ministry to Jesus any time is full-time, eh? And so, next one, please. <coughs> so, as there's physical development of the body, remember you have the little marks? If I, ha <laughs> I, I have, we've got a cross in our church, a big wooden one, and I put marks on it. You know how you, when you're a little kid, you get marks on it? Jesus does that too. He marks us each year. And he's, he's got the mark up there. He already sees your maturity level. <laughs> you, know, you can be a son of God, but Galatians 2 tells us that although you might be the, the son or the heir of the business or the heir of the kingdom, but while you're a child, <laughs> you're put under guardians and teachers until you mature, until you grow up to the time appointed by the Father. And the Father wants to appoint his people to do the works of Jesus. But that time appointed can only come when his children grow up. There's a certain level we've got to grow up to. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I mean, the disciples weren't perfect. I mean, they were full of insecurity and, and pride and arrogance and so forth. But Jesus still used them. They're still raising the dead. So I'm not talking about being perfect, but it's about there's a sense of there's a, a maturity God wants us to grow up in. Next one, please. Um, so, oh, we've sort of shot ahead. Would you go back then? See if there's one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Still there. Thank you. See, Jesus grew. He didn't just sleep at night. The angels got buried up with him. He read the Torah. He studied the scriptures. He went and sat in the synagogue and listened to the rabbis teach. Listened to the co-master. At 12 years of age, he's having a debate with co-master, with rabbis, with teachers. He grew. It didn't just happen. You know, as Christians, you know, as Pentecostal Christians anyway, I was, you know, I thought, it's just going to happen. God, I had a prophecy over here. I'm going to go to Africa. Who are going to go to Africa? <laughs> I said, the prophet said, I'm going to Africa. So I said, we're going to Africa. We're only about, about five years old. I said to John, my pastor, I go to Africa. Prophet said he saw me in a dark rain. I did too in, a, in my heart. I go to Africa. And John says, oh, Jesus usually trains you in your backyard first, in your Jerusalem first, and then sends you out to Judea Samaria. So you better ask God whether it's you or him. Oh, no, it's God. I heard him. So it pays to go and ask your pastor, what do you think? Not tell him, I'm going to Africa. So humility goes, I've got this, what do you think? If it's God, he'll confirm it. If it's not God, 
Don't hurt your ego. So I went and prayed, and God said, I, want, I don't want you to go to Africa. I want you to be a pastor in Omru. I said, really? He said, yeah, oh, sweet as. I'm happy with that. Whatever you want, I want to do what you want. I don't want to run around doing stuff you haven't called me to do. I want to do what you want. That's my joy. That's our joy, Whanau, doing what he's called us to do. Be the best freezing worker, forestry worker, mother. Be the best at what you're doing and just be the best for Jesus. That'll give you joy. Don't look for a sticker and for a title. I met a guy up here once and he says, I don't know what his name is. I'm just that same. Excuse me, your insecurity is showing. <laughs> no, I didn't say that to him, but you know, a sense of significance comes from who we are, who we know we are in his sight. A sense of achievement comes from doing things for God. But many Christians are, try, are trying to achieve things and get a sense of achievement to feel significant, but they don't. They just keep trying to do more and more stuff for God, and they still feel empty, and they burn out. Significance comes from knowing you're loved by God and that you're his son and his daughter. That's it. I don't have to do anything for Jesus. He loves me. I can hand out him books for the rest of my life. I'll go to heaven. He loves me. But I want to achieve for him because he created me to do good works in Christ Jesus before the world was created. So, um, so Jesus did that. Next one, please. So, number one, you were once a spiritual baby. If you've just given your life to Jesus, that's you in the spirit. Okay? We love babies. They're so cute. I love babies. They're quite clutch. Uh, but in the spirit. But they make messes. They crap everywhere. <laughs> you got to clean them up all the time. All right, guys coming out of the gang. Oh, woman. And <laughs> we first met. There was one guy who had two wives. Another guy I'm working with, he's got uh, nine kids to about five different women. They're messed up. They make messes. They're still messing up. But I'm their dad. And I've got to clean up their shit. <laughs> now, here's a potty. Do it on a potty. <laughs> anyway. So, but, so where we are, you don't stay a baby though. You grow. You grow. Let's read this together. As newborn babes desire, let's speak together. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of, oh, thank you. Jesus just, the Lord just healed someone's ear right now. There's a, like a lump in there that just went, just dissolved. I don't think it affected your hearing, but it was, it was, it did affect your, your ear. Someone's ear just got healed right now. Who's that? Often people, it's me. Okay. I'm going to come back to you, your ear, your ear. And someone's throat's just been healed right now. You'll feel heat going through your throat. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. Burning heat. Swallow. You'll feel it. Oh, it's connected. It's the one with the ear, the ear and the throat. Oh, you might have throat and ear disease. <laughs> it might be foot and mouth, actually. No. So there's somebody that's, the Lord just touch, just touch your throat right now. Just please honor him. Just indicate whoever you are, whoever you are. Your throat and your ear. I'll give you praise. Yeah, it's going, still going through the ear. It's just it's equalizing the pressure, the pain, the, the earache. It's, you're never going to get it again. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Please don't come up after the meeting and say what was me because you might not like what I say to you. Okay? Honor Jesus. It's not about me. It's about glorifying him. Okay, I'll come back. Let's read. And brethren, could I, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as unto spiritual, let's read it together, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
Paul saying, I, I wanted to speak to the church. But see, I, uh, they hadn't grown up in the front. Right? They've been Christians for a while, but they're still like babies. They're still sucking their own milk. But God wants us to grow beyond the baby stage. If you're in the baby stage, that's okay. But you're not going to stay there. You can't stay a baby. And you can, from just going to sleep at night, you're not going to get angels putting fairy dust over you. You've got to get up. You've got to learn how to take some walks, some steps. And learn to stumble after Jesus until you learn to crawl after Jesus, until you learn to walk after Jesus, and then you can learn to run after Jesus. Okay? So if you're at that level, God wants you to go to the next level. Next level, please. Thank you. Okay, little children in Christ. Let's read together. Tahirua Toru. My little children, of whom I travail and birth again, until Christ be formed you. My little children. Little children, keep yourself from idols. So we go from baby stage to little children. Little children make mistakes. Little children try to walk on their fall over and hit their head. New Christians make mistakes. They go out to do stuff for God, they fall over and they hurt themselves. I try to win the lottery for Jesus. I try to win the golden kiwi for Jesus and use the money for the church. That's what I thought how he worked. I believe, well, I have faith to believe I'm going to win the winning ticket of the golden kiwi. And I went and bought a golden kiwi ticket and I believed and I believed until the ticket number was drawn and it didn't come up. I thought, what? Lord, what are you doing to me? I'm trying to help you. And I went into my room and Jess said, what happened? We didn't get it. And so I stormed up to my room, had a hissy fit on my, on my face before God that I'm not going to believe in you anymore. I'm believing. Oh, I wanted that money for your church, and it didn't come through. And he said, did you consult me? <laughs> I said, no, you, knew, you already knew. <laughs> Didn't you? <laughs> he said, it wasn't me, son. It was you. I said, really? Did you want to learn my ways? Sorry. But little children do that. They fall over and hit their head. They make mistakes. And you'll see people come to church. They, they do crappy, stupid stuff. But you've got to get over it. Help them over it. Help them learn from them. So, so you're going to get that in your church. Okay? But Lord, when will the church be all mature and grown up? He says, never. Not in this world. Because you're going to have babies, children, adolescents. You're going to have all ages. And you get a church full of all ages. You don't have a perfect church. You have a messy church. And it's never going to change. And yet Jesus said he wants to grow it up so it's no longer infants tossed and throw away every wind of doctrine. I don't know how that's going to happen. Now, this is God's problem, not mine. Next one. Then he wants you to grow up to be a child. Let's read the scripture. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet labor. And by this we know that we love the children of God. They really love God. Okay, but so you go to a child. Next one, please. So we go to teenage. So, you know, hormones raging, uh, spiritual hormones. I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm going to be the next Chris Wilson. I'm the next Catherine Schulman. And, and it's pure desires and so forth. That's me. That was me too. I, I'm hankering after the things of A.A. Allen and Smith. All this. I, I'm pursuing God for that. That's not a bad motive and not a bad desire. But God will, he'll hit you with fire and he'll, he'll give you the third degree burns. The first degree burns are he touches your flesh and you start giving up all that fleshy stuff. I thought I was pretty holy when I no longer smoking dope or watching porn. Oh, I'm pretty holy. But in my mind, I still thought bad stuff. <laughs> and God said, I'm going to touch, fire's going to touch your soul now. That's second degree burns. 
is, uh, I said, no one sees these thoughts, Lord. No one sees these bad thoughts. He said, I do, and it, and it grieves me, and it's polluting you, isn't it? It's hurting you, son. You can't think about stuff like that and then go on the church on Sunday and think about me. Can't I? <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, okay. I don't wanna. So I had to learn to renew my mind. We are Christians. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind, not deformed by the removal of our mind. So that's a second degree burn. The fire of God. People have got the fire of God. They have no idea what they're talking about sometimes. The third degree fire of God. So when I started out with my thoughts and so forth, I thought, wow, I feel pretty holy. No more fleshly attitudes. My, my hininaro is pretty in line with God. I've got a renewed mind. But I want to be next Smith Wigglesworth. And the Lord says, why? I said, for your glory. Whose glory? Mine or yours? Oh, yours, Lord, yours. You get all the glory. Just make sure my name's there. Can I sit next to you, Lord, in the kingdom? Can I sit next to you, Jesus? And he, the third degree goes to your motives of why you want to do things for God, why you want to serve God, why you want to minister, why you want to be a voice. And he said to me, how much of you, of your voice do you want to be heard in the language? care about my voice. My voice cannot cause the cows to calf, but yours can. My voice can't do anything. If you want to use my voice, you can, but I've had to lay my voice, my name, my ministry, my reputation. Lay it down. Be like Jesus. Had this mind. He made himself of no reputation. Being equal with God, he didn't think of, think of thing to be grasped. Oh, I'm a son of God. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I am all over nations. Do you? And so he tests, he's checked my motives. The fire, the third degree fire will check your motives. It hurts. But that's the way of Jesus. Luke 9.23, if you want to follow me, know my honey mine. Take up your cross, bro, and deny yourself. Your biggest enemy is not the devil. It's not the world. It's yourself. <laughs> it's self. For me, it's self anyway. Next one, please. Da -da, Sunday, fun day, you get gray hair. <laughs> just because you get gray hair, just because you look, you're older, does not mean you're wiser. There are many old, white, uh, there are many older Christians who are still stupid, unwise. Maybe, maybe that's better, more, um, more woke. Uh, but let's write, let me, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. So there's different levels of maturity in the spirit realm. Where are you? If, you could, if, if God put you up against a wall and marked you from last year or last two years and marked you today, would, you have, would your marks be any higher? Or has it actually gone in reverse? <laughs> God forbid. That's deformity. <laughs> so where am I? And every year, every is a new season. I said, like, wow, I want to go. I don't want to be where I was. I want to be ahead. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. And I want to do like you. But at first, I want to be more like you so I can do more like you. But if I'm still more like me, I'm not going to do much like you. 
Wigglesworth said, uh, all of self, none of God. Some of self, some of less of self, some of God. None of self, all of God. I'm on the journey of going, who's the ear? Who's the ear? Who's the ear? The person with the ear. But, but you, Darish, what happens to your heart? What happened? Sure. Uh, what's happened? Yeah. You feel a pressure on your ear? Was it not there before? It's increased? What, is, is that normal? On and off? Okay. What, well, he's healing it. Contact and transmission. Well, I just thank you, Lord. For the healing of this. I think you already did it. Yeah. And we just receive that, Lord. We just receive the fullness and all that stuff comes up. Uh, 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 would you just come and have your hands full in your fist? And we count the heat because it gets full. Uh, and we count it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Hunter. Yeah, yeah. You got the handbrake off. <laughs> oh. Tahi. Rua. Balances, you know, he's just he's fixing up those prisons that can be closed. Feel that, darling? Yeah, that's pretty good. So you just stay there as long as you like. No one's looking. <laughs> um, so when I speak out the heal, it, it's it, it's not going to be. It's already healed. Okay. So when I say it's yeah, it's it's being healed. So who? There's the ear, the ear that's being healed, and there's the throat position being healed too. It sounds very similar to that. It might be her, but what the Holy Ghost does, he does it, and I just call it out, and, and you just respond to him and give him glory. Faith's an action, you know. Stretch out your hand. The moment he stretched out his hand, he was healed. Go show yourself to the priest. The moment they did the act of faith, the power of God healed those lepers. Go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. The moment they, he washed his eyes, his eyes opened. Faith is an action, not just an attitude. So don't be sitting there waiting for, oh, I get shaken. Uh, just if it's you and you feel it, Act on that. Act on that. Anyway, back to this next one, please. So I want to show you how to fast track your maturity. You don't have to wait five years to be wise. <laughs> you don't have to wait 50 years to be wise. Well, we're going to be a pastor one day. When? Oh, when he's probably 75. So sort of put him in the ministry. <laughs> I, I got to conference and I see too many grey heads. I've got a grey head too. I said, I haven't come for you guys. <laughs> You're still training. You're still waiting to be trained. Uh, you know, I love everybody, but I've got to train the new generation. So, the first fast track is just make the choice to grow up. Just simply stop it. Stop acting like a kid. Stop it. Just stop acting like a child. Stop thinking like a child, and you'll stop behaving like a child. It comes with the thought. And the thought becomes an emotion, and emotion becomes something that uh, motivates you to do something. I had bad thoughts. What's your favorite food? Think of it right now. 
how do you feel when you think of a good your favorite food? Mmm. Hungry, yeah. Feels good, eh? Think of a traumatic moment in your life. Think of the worst time of your life. Just think of it. I'll start going into trauma, boys. Just think of it. <laughs> You're going to roll right around the floor. Okay, sorry, we'll cast it out. Okay. You think of a, the most negative thought in your life. How does it make you feel? The point is, what you think affects how you feel. How you feel affects how you behave. I had manic depression for 13 years. And when the, these negative thoughts would come, it would stir up my heart. I'd get angry, and then I'd get violent. And all the police would do is try to lock me up. It wasn't my outward behavior was the problem. It was the, the unresolved emotional trauma. And it was the issues inside. And I had to learn to grow up. And it was more than just stop acting like a clown. I had to get healed. There's a healing of the broken heart that Jesus has got an anointing for. The rat corpus. Wait, there's more. <laughs> okay, so first key, just just make a choice to stop thinking foolish thoughts and acting foolishly. Just choose. It's amazing how a thought, how our choice can change things. Next one, please. Next one, please. Thank you. Um, www.jd. What would Jesus do? Okay, just do what Jesus. What do what you think Jesus would do? So there was a priest. Walked past, and he saw that guy was dying, and then the priest's apprentice walked past, and that's what religion does. It just walks by. That's what hui hui does about learning how to reach our community, learning how to lay hands on the sick, learning how to just have more conferences. They're probably on their way to a hui about how to how to uh, bring social change <laughs> in their nation, <laughs> how to reach the poor down and out. They're probably on a on a, a hui paid by the government. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's this guy, he's not a, he, he's a Mongol mob member, he's a Samaritan. He's one that the Jews look down on, that the religious system looks down on. He's just a nobody. But he's got Aroha in his heart, and he goes along and he helps him. He does what Jesus would do, and Jesus brought that corridor up about just what he would do. Just do. So, second way of growing up, just do what Jesus would do. Let's just be Jesus. Don't talk Jesus, be Jesus. If the farmer down the road, you know that they've got no money, you know that something bad's happened, they got, they're in debt or whatever, don't judge them. Just get a get get a bag full of kai and take it down there and knock on the door and say, hey, here, just here you're going through a hard time. Here's some kai. Be Jesus. You don't. I don't have the right to preach to people about Jesus unless they see him in me and hear him in me through my actions. And when they hear and see him through my actions, they open up. They want to know more. Why, why are you like? Why do you do this? Telling my story. Um, next one is, oh, sorry, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Most, well, generalizing, a lot of millennials have no idea what Jesus would do because they've never read the Bible. <laughs> they've never read the New Testament, let alone what Jesus would do. So, next one, please. Get a Bible with the words of Jesus in red. And for the year, just read the red. Don't read Revelations, it'll screw your head up. You just. <laughs> Have nightmares. <laughs> Don't read numbers. It'll just it's just so boring. <laughs> it's all good, it's the word of God, but for <laughs> read what Jesus would do. If you if you want to know what Jesus would do, well read what Jesus would do. For a year, just read the red. Over and over and over. That's what I've told our uh, told our church to do this year. Do that, read the red. That's that's our prophetic word for the year. That's our our yeah. Next one please. 
there. So flood your mind with the thoughts of Christ. Amen. Who's the throat? Who's the one that's got your throat here? I can't go beyond what he's done. I just can't go any further. So, so who's the throat? Who's the throat? It, and it, it's healed. It's not going to be healed. It's not by faith, I believe. It's literal, physically healed. What's your name, darling? Huh? Josh. Kia ora, Josh. Um, so what happened? what's wrong with your throat? Well, what did went wrong with your throat? Mind you. You're breathing. How long have you had that? Uh, since a child. Yeah. Fifty-seven now. So this is this. Um, you just said uh, no. I didn't touch it. Jesus touched it. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. He's imagining. You, he's doing. A, he's, he's doing a, a number on your lungs too. Oh, he's taking a spirit of fear out of you. He's come in. He took a. He took a. Do you mind? I was, he took a fear. He took a spirit of fear off you. You're not going to know this stuff. Good job, darling. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, the air, the air, that comes with you. Feel that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Like a worm in there. No, it's not. <laughs> I did pray for a man once. He was deaf. And when he went to sleep, he woke up in the morning, half a cockroach was lying next to his ear. He'd been deaf for about, oh, years. It was witchcraft. It wasn't the cockroach, it was witchcraft. And the power of witchcraft got broken and it was manifested through the cockroach. Um, so I, I, I finished. I don't feel I've finished, but I finished. What do you reckon, babe? Enough? Yeah, no, Jess says I'll finish. So, um... <laughs> I just love being with you guys, and, and I hope in some way that my corridors helped um, encourage you as a believer. Yeah? You're so important. You're the hope of the nations. Jesus is the hope of glory in you. And believe in God, but believe in yourself, please. And, and understand you have an office. You have a function just as a believer. And the believer can change the world. Believers change the world. And apostles, apostles, they, they help lead and they help build. But, um, but, you know, we together as believers, we, I hate it when you go to the shop and it's got out of the office. I've only got 10 minutes and he's out of the office. Now, I've got this thing, I'll close on this, darling, that Jesus rings up the Holy Ghost because he hears, what's, what's one of the streets, what's one of the tough streets in, in Nelson, Whakatū, one of the rough streets? Karaka Street. <laughs> Yeah, we, everyone's got a Karaka Street. <laughs> Every town has a Karaka Street. So, so imagine Jesus hears a cry coming out of Karaka Street, and there's this person who's going to blow their brains out. And they say, is, is there a God? Is there a God? And so Jesus rings up Holy Spirit. Hey, why do you a tapu? Yeah. There's a fellow in Karaka Street, and he's going to give his life to me. All we need is a believer to go around there and to introduce him to me. 
okay, I'll, I'll get onto it. And so Jesus is watching. There's no believer going around to the Karaka Street. Holy Spirit, what's going on? Oh, sorry, Lord. Um, all the believers are out of their office. I said, where are they? Oh, they're in a prayer meeting praying for Karaka Street. <laughs> what? You may laugh. You may laugh. Out of the office. Get back in your office, Jesus. In your city. 